Welcome back to What Do They Know Podcast. This week, the guys are each going to pick three of the wildcard games to go over and then two of next week's divisional matchup games. They'll break down all the games and let you know what they have their eyes on. But hey, what do they know? What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the What Do They Know Podcast. Um, we are in wild card. Actually, we're in divisional round. Um, we have completed the wild card round. All six games have been completed. Um, me and Jeff are doing something a little different um, this week um, because of the Bills postponement and the game, you know, being games Monday. Typically, we record on Sundays, and it didn't really make sense to us to only talk about three of the six games because that was all that was completed at that time. So. Um, we did not record month Sunday, so what we decided to do is we each picked three of the six games, and we're just going to break them down for you. Um, so you'll hear me or you'll hear Jeff first, and then you'll go to we'll go to the other person, and we're just going to kind of break down the games and um, you know see what jumped out at us and and preview um, the the divisional round matchups as well. Um, but before I do that, you know we always go over top stories, um, so I wanted to just go over uh, you know one of the bigger top stories every year after the. Um, after the regular season is completed, and that's just coaching, coaching firings, coaching vacancies. Um, this year already, a week into the postseason, uh, has been crazy. Um, there are there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight coaches fired, um, or or you know mutually agreed to part ways, um, and that being you know the uh, Atlanta, uh, the Chargers obviously did it in season. Las Vegas did it in the season, Carolina in season, and then after the season so far, it's been New England, Seattle, Tennessee, and Washington. Um, and you think about some of the coaches that we're, that we're talking about that are associated to those. Obviously, the first one that jumps out at you is New England with Bill Belichick. Um, obviously, it's the, the craziest thing to think that he's no longer going to be wearing Patriots cutoff hoodies. Um, on the sidelines, but it, you know, it finally happened. They, they mutually agreed to part ways. I thought they both handled it, them both being, you know, uh, Belichick and Robert Kraft both handled it as well as you can, um, given, you know, the circumstances and, and how much Belichick has meant to that organization. I thought they did it with class. Um, I'm really curious to see where he goes next. Um, I've heard Atlanta, a lot of, you know, he, uh, you know, as we sit here Tuesday, Tuesday night, I'm recording, um, he interviewed with Atlanta yesterday. Um, so he's already gotten the ball rolling, and, and I'm sure he will line up and, and talk talk with pretty much all of these teams, um, or at least all the teams will want to talk to him. Um, you know, another one that really, really shocked people was Tennessee getting, you know, letting go Mike Vrabel. Um, you know, Vrabel is, is one of the better coaches in the NFL. He's, you know, tough. He's shown that he can win. I mean, he went to, to two AFC championship games with Tennessee with, you know, not a ton of talent. Obviously, they had Derrick Henry but they still had Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback. Um, and that's no hit at him. It's just the way that it is. He's not one of the top tier quarterbacks that you think of. And the fact that, you know, Vrabel was, was able to turn that team around and take them to two AFC championships, I think shows a lot about him. Um, and so he is going to be highly sought after. Um, everybody said that it was just a perfect fit for him to go to New England, but obviously that didn't happen. The very next day after New England parted ways with Belichick, they announced that they had signed Gerard Mayo, who was, you know, everybody kind of assumed was the coach in waiting. So um, the New England spot is filled, but all of the other ones still remain open. Um, and another big surprise was Seattle with Pete Carroll. Obviously, he's getting up there in age, um, but he, you know, he still has more energy on the sidelines than pretty much anybody um, that you could think of. So 
um, to see him go. Obviously, they, you know, they when they made their statement, they said that they're going to keep him in the organization in some capacity, uh, more like front office, maybe an advisor role type thing. But um, that was that was really really surprising. And you think about it, it was a I want to say it was Monday into Tuesday was just an insane twenty four hours because we had you know, Belichick leaving, we had, you know, Vrabel and Pete Carroll leaving. And then in the college ranks, we had uh, Nick Saban retiring from Alabama. So, I mean, the two most prolific coaches in, at least in my lifetime are both one's going to be gone completely. And the other one's going to be on a new team for the first time in 24 years. So um, just crazy that that's where we're at. Um, You know, I'm really curious to see who some of these teams get to fill their head coaching spots. I feel like in terms of you know which one is a is a valuable or a sought after job, I think that the Chargers' job, no hands down, has got to be the best one. Followed closely behind by Atlanta, I think that Atlanta has the pieces on offense. Jeff, Jeff, and I have talked about that all season long, how they've just underperformed on offense. And so I think if you bring in a guy like Bill Belichick, who's kind of a no nonsense, he's gonna you know he's gonna set the tone and and pretty much you know do a fresh start for for the for the organization. Um, could be really really great, but I you know I think. With the Chargers having Justin Herbert, their franchise guy, already there, already you know it's already been decided. Basically, um, I think that they're definitely the most sought after position. But I think whether people want to announce it or not, I think it's pretty much decided that Jim Harbaugh is going to come from Michigan and, and take that spot. So um, we will see. We'll see what happens there. But um, those two those two jobs are what stand out to me specifically. So. Um, and there's more, you know, there's a high likelihood that there's going to be more to come. Um, you know, I'll get into that as we, as I break down some of these games, but some of the action this weekend could very easily have resulted in some coaching changes. So, um, that's my top story for the week. I'll, I'll jump into my game. So my games that I'm going to be going over Steelers at bills, um, Philly at Tampa and the LA at the Lions. So just going in order of when they were played, obviously Saturday night, LA went at Detroit, it was the first home game for Detroit in since 1994, I think it was. Um, the atmosphere was just phenomenal. Obviously, I talked last week about how it was the game I was most excited about, um, and it was the best game of the week. Honestly, I think that's one of the storylines just from Wild Card Week in general that these six games were not very good, uh, just being completely honest. Uh, this was the only good game. The other five were all blowouts. They were never really close. And so I'm really hoping for some more competitive games this coming weekend, the four divisional games. Everybody always says that this is the best weekend in football um, because these games are always just so, so good. Um, and so I'm hoping they, they kind of make up for this weekend because for the most part, they were really lackluster. Um, there's a lot of storylines that came from them, but there wasn't a whole lot of suspense and wondering who was going to win except for, except for the, the, the Rams at the Lions. So um, the Lions ended up pulling it out 24-23. There were just you know storylines all over the place for this game. Obviously, I already talked about Detroit hosting a game for the first time in a while, but the big storyline was you know Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit for the first time and Jared Goff also playing his old team um, with the Rams because obviously both were um, essentially traded for each other. And I was really really impressed with how Jared Goff played. You know, obviously he could have a chip on his shoulder because he was the kind of forgotten man. They, you know, the Rams wanted Stafford. And he could have very came. He could have very easily came out and tried to do too much, and he didn't. You know, they they started the game. I've never. I don't remember ever seeing a, a, a start this this great. I mean, they went on three straight seventy five yard touchdown drives to open to open the game. 
Um, I mean, that's about as, as, as great as you can do. I mean, his total, his overall stat line, um, him being Jared Goff, he was 22 of 27, 277 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, they, they, they were able to squeak it out. Obviously it was a close game. Um, but I, you know, they, they're in a really, really good spot. And I actually think, you know, we talked at length about the, the referee, missed call when they played the Cowboys, you know, did he report, did the offensive lineman report, did he not, so on and so forth. And I kind of feel, and Jeff's obviously he's going to take the, the Packers and the Cowboys. So I'm not sure if he's going to talk about this or not, but I kind of thought that it was poetic justice that it happened the way that it did this weekend. Um, because if Detroit had won that game against the Cowboys, which they should have, um, they would have had to play the Packers. They would have been the two seed. And who knows what would happen there. The Packers are kind of a buzzsaw. It wouldn't have surprised me if, um, you know, the Packers did to the Lions what they did to the Cowboys. So, um, you know, it ended perfectly for the Lions. They didn't have to play the Packers in the first round. And with with Dallas losing, they still get the second home game that they would have all along if they had the two seed. So you couldn't have picked a better scenario for the Lions. Um, I thought it was pretty much poetic justice the way that it happened for them. So, um, you know, they, they set up nice. I think they have a really favorable matchup coming up next week, um, at home against, uh, Tampa Bay. I'll get into the, the Tampa, Tampa's game as well. And I'll, and also break down the, that matchup, but, um, that's the, the three o'clock game on Sunday. And so, I mean, as far as this game is concerned, it was, a, it was a great game. Like I said, it was the only one that lived up to the, lived up to the hype or, or I should say had any hype at all or any intensity as far as who was going to win. So really impressed with the Lions. And, um, you know, I love me personally, I love Matthew Stafford. So I was disappointed for him, but I think the, the lion story in general, is just, is just a great one. So I was happy that they, um, they were able to get the win. And I just love, I love Dan Campbell again, Jeff and I have talked about him as a coach, how he, this, this team completely signifies him as a person and his personality, just gritty, tough and you listen to him in the locker room afterwards like pumping up his guys saying how good they did and just just things that he said like he gave a game ball to the gm for putting this team together and making it fit his personality and then he gave a game ball to jared goff and all he said was you know jared goff you're good enough for detroit and everybody just mobbed him and and, and hugged him and, and celebrated with him which i just thought was awesome it's it's so easy to like a guy like dan campbell um which ultimately helps you like the lions so um, i'm excited for their matchup uh, next week uh, next one, Steelers and Bills. Obviously, this one was supposed to be played Sunday at 1 o'clock and with the massive snowstorm that Buffalo got. We didn't get it so much here in Rochester, thankfully. We just got kind of a dusting. But the Bills, Buffalo got pounded with snow once again. So they moved the game to you know Monday at 4 o'clock uh, or 4.30, I should say. And, I mean, the final score, you look at it, 31-17. Um, I don't even think it was that close, to be honest with you. I think that the score is really not indicative of, of the game. I thought Buffalo pretty much dominated this game from start to finish. Um, Josh Allen played great. He didn't have, you know, the, the, the typical turnover that you associate with Josh Allen. He didn't make the bad decision. Um, he was in control. He was 21 of 30, 203 yards. He had three passing touchdowns. And then obviously he had the electric 52 yard rushing touchdown, um, in the second quarter. And so he, you know, he played phenomenal, which is what he needs to do. He needs to be great and he needs to be in control for them to have any chance of continuing on. Um, you know, I thought as far as the Steelers were concerned, I thought they just, you know, I, I heard it on the radio this, today with ESPN, so, so I'll give them credit. When you have a guy like Mason Rudolph as your starting quarterback and you're going up against a guy like Josh Allen, you have no room for error, none whatsoever, and, and they just made too many mistakes. 
talk about Rudolph throwing a pick in the end zone. Um, they had a fumble that Buffalo literally scored on the next play. Um, so you, when you're in the specifically in the playoffs against any opponent, but especially when you could pretty fairly say that you're you're not matched up as well as far as quarterbacks are concerned um, with who you're playing, you have to be perfect. Um, and you know it was always going to be tough for for the for the Steelers having uh, T.J. Watt out. You know he was the heart and soul. He is the heart and soul of that defense. Their record with him playing versus their record without him is like. I mean, just night and day. It's astronomically different. They are a much, much better team when he plays versus when he doesn't. And so, you know, that was one where as soon as they said he was out, I kind of thought that this was going to be the outcome, um, and and it proved to be true. Uh, You know, great season for the Steelers. Again, Mike Tomlin, 10 wins with a team that, I mean, you could argue probably could have had five or six wins with the amount of talent, the the offensive struggles, the quarterback play. so the Steelers did it again. Mike Tomlin did it again. And I think that's one of the biggest storylines going into this offseason is Mike Tomlin and what he's going to do. Uh, he has one year left on his contract. The last several weeks, kind of before the Steelers really turned it on, he was getting some backlash from from Pittsburgh fans saying that they, you know, it was time to move on. It was rumored that he wanted to move on. And yesterday it was one of the first questions that they asked. A reporter after the game said, and, and you know, the way he handled this question, I feel like is very telling the reporter. All she was able to say was, Mike, you have one year left on your contract. And she didn't even get to finish his, her thought because he just abruptly walked out uh, without saying anything. And so I think that is very telling, like that is obviously on his mind and he's just not in a position to address it right now. So I think that's that's something to watch, whether he steps away to take you know a break, a sabbatical, whatever you want to call it or whether they, you know, mutually agree to part ways and he takes a different position because he will, you know, behind Belichick, he will immediately become the most sought after coach if, if he leaves Pittsburgh, Um, which again would be crazy. He's been there for 17 years and been, you know, he's never had a losing season. I know Jeff and I have talked about that a lot, but that's something that I really don't think you could talk about enough is the fact that he's been with this team for 17 years um, and, and never had a losing season. It's just incredible and it's phenomenal. So, um, we'll have to certainly watch what happens with Mike Tomlin. Uh, lots of injuries for the bills. The last thing I'll talk about it with, specifically with this game is, you know, it got to a point where the game was 24, 17 Pittsburgh had kind of clawed back and it seemed like bills players were going down left and right, both on offense and defense. And so, um, obviously we don't know the, the outcome of some of those injuries, if they're going to be, you know, just sit out a day at practice and you're good for next week, or if it's going to be something where, you know, people are going to be missing some game time. And obviously, you know, they, they host the chiefs on Sunday. It's going to be, you know, the big, the biggest game of the weekend, in my opinion, the best game. Um, and so if they need to be at full strength, so hopefully those guys can bounce back for, from some of the injuries. And if not, that's going to, that's going to play a huge role in this matchup with the chiefs and, and what, what they do. So that's definitely something to look out for. Um, last one is Philly at Tampa Bay. And so I think now obviously final score, Tampa Bay 32 to nine over Philadelphia. And so I think it's, it's, you can officially say that the collapse is complete, um, with Philadelphia. Obviously I said, I think three or four weeks ago that I thought that Philly was going to go one and done in the playoffs and it proved to be correct. Uh, they just looked like a shell of themselves. Again, Jalen, Jalen Hurts, you could tell he had that dislocated finger last week on his throwing hand. He didn't throw a football at all this week during practice. And it showed he just looked off. He didn't look comfortable. His finger looked disgusting. Um, and so you can't tell me that that didn't play a role in 
his performance and the performance, uh, you know, as a whole for the offense. They had they scored nine points. You know, Todd Bowles always is known for a good defense with Tampa Bay, but to only score nine points is just, you know, it's it's crazy to me. Uh, I was baffled by just the lack of tackling from Philadelphia. Um, they they just got completely worked on defense. Nobody could tackle. Their secondary looked absolutely terrible. I mean, two two of the touchdowns from Tampa Bay were were just essentially broken tackles, long, you know, quick quick throws, maybe 10, 15 yards, and breaking tackles left and right, and eventually, you know, leading to a huge, you know, forty or fifty yard play. Um, it's just inexcusable. Uh, the, the the lack of tackling was 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 dumbfounding, to be honest. And so, um, this is another storyline with a potential head coach that. You know, you prior to the season or or even shoot seven weeks ago, you would never have said this, but Nick Sirianni could be on the hot seat, and I think he probably will be. Um, he the the way that they collapsed, um, and you're hearing from Philly that Philly fans that they want Sirianni gone. A lot of people are saying that if they you know part ways with Nick Sirianni, that Belichick that would be his first choice. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Obviously, the game just finished last night. Or just happened last night, so they haven't made any decisions yet. My guess is they'll take, you know, a few days to a week or whatever the case may be, and, and make that decision. But um, that is a really, really interesting story to keep an eye on. Is is what's going to happen now with Nick Sirianni? Because going into the playoffs, I feel like it was all about okay, you know, they really underperformed the last six weeks, but let's see what they do in the playoffs. And if they lose, let's see how they lose, right? And so. To lose thirty-two to nine to a nine-win Tampa Bay team who won the worst division in football um, is just is just terrible. It's just not not a good look, and obviously, it's going to point a lot of fingers right at the head coach. Um, that's from a Philly perspective. Obviously, we got to give Tampa Bay their props. I mean, they just punched him in the mouth. Baker Mayfield, you guys know from listening to this show, he's my boy. I love Baker Mayfield. He played great. Um, Twenty-two of thirty-six, three hundred and thirty-seven yards and three touchdowns. Um, which is tops in Tampa Bay playoff history as far as yards. Um, you know, they played great. He played great. And so I'm really, really happy for Baker. I feel like, you know, he was kind of the villain for a lot of people when he, you know, had success in college and, you know, played with so much swagger. And I feel like hopefully now people look at him different. I mean, he was knocked down. He got benched in Tampa in Cleveland. They traded for Deshaun Watson. He got traded to Carolina. He was horrible with Carolina. Um, he got released. He played a couple games in LA last year and he kind of, you know, he, he's revived his whole career essentially, in my opinion, with, with his season in Tampa Bay. So I'm really happy for him. And I hope, you know, he, he continues to, to have success. Cause I, I, I just love Baker. I love the swagger that he plays with and the confidence that he plays with. So, um, and then the last thing that coming out of that game, Jason Kelsey, the center for the Philadelphia Eagles announced today, um, that he's, you know, he's stepping away. So, you know, I, I saw on social media today from somebody who I know who lives in like the New Jersey, Philadelphia area, diehard Philly fan. Um, and basically the first sentence of his post was that there aren't many people that mean more to the city of Philadelphia than Jason Kelsey. Um, and you could see him on the sideline as the clock was ticking down last night, getting emotional. He still had his helmet on. Afterwards, he walked to the stands and kind of had a moment with his wife. And so I think he knew maybe even before the game that this was going to be his last go at it. And so, um, you know, that's that's big for Philly. He's, you know, not only is he an icon for that city, but he's still a dang good center and a dang good lineman. So they're going to have to replace him as well. But that's obviously a really big story, um, you know, coming out of the Kelsey clan and Philadelphia as well. 
Um, as far as divisional matchups, so I have I'm going to break down the NFC games. Obviously, we have Tampa at Detroit and Green Bay at San Francisco. Um, one thing that I left thinking this weekend or or wondering is with the the performances of some of these teams are the one seeds in both conferences in trouble this weekend. So obviously in the NFC, that's San Francisco. In the AFC, that's Baltimore. Baltimore gets Houston, who just completely throttled Cleveland. Um, I did not see that coming. I'm sure Jeff's going to talk about that as well. Neither of us saw that coming. Um, But both teams, you talk about Houston, who has to go at Baltimore, and then Green Bay, who has to go at San Francisco. They have just a ton of momentum um, going into this week. Green Bay completely throttled. Detroit or Detroit, um, Dallas shocked a lot of people. Shocked me and Jeff as well. Um, he actually said last week that he thought that Dallas was going to throttle Green Bay, and I agreed with him. Um, so, so to play to play the way that they did, I mean, they have a ton of momentum going into San Francisco, and you never know how the week off is going to is going to impact the, the number one seed, right? So, obviously, in this case, it's San Francisco. Um, you know, they have a week off. Obviously I've heard, I've heard that it's done great things for McCaffrey. He had that calf injury. He sat out week 18. He sounds like he's good to go for this Sunday or for this Saturday, excuse me. Um, so obviously from a health perspective, it helped them, but are they going to be rusty? Are they going to come out with a ton of adrenaline? Are they going to be, um, are they going to be ready? I guess, um, is, is for lack of a better term. Um, and so that, that for me is the biggest question mark is you never know, you know, obviously the, the teams that you're facing, they won, they have a ton of momentum just from the fact that they won, but how they won, I think also impacts that as well. And so Green Bay, nobody's playing better than Jordan Love the last half of the season. He has been an absolute stud. Um, it, it sickens me that Green Bay has done it again with their quarterback situation. I mean, you talk about going from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers now to Jordan Love. It seems like they are set up. Not only with him, but the rest of their young talent. They're the youngest team in the league um, as far as age. And they are going to, I think they're going to be good for a really long time. But as far as this week, um, I think this is going to be an extremely competitive game. Um, Green Bay Green Bay, and San Francisco, as long as I can remember, have always played games that have gone down to the wire. And so I think this will be no different. Um, you know, Green Bay, like I said, they, they are playing with house money at this point. Nobody expected them to be here. And so, you know. We'll see what happens. As far as Tampa at Detroit, I personally think that this is where Tampa's luck runs out. Um, I think that this just this draw was just perfect for Detroit. Obviously, I already talked about it, getting the second home game because of Dallas losing, and then um, you know getting getting Tampa, who obviously they beat Philadelphia, and credit to them, but they're still a nine win Tampa Tampa Bay team, who I think as far as talent is concerned. They don't, they don't match up with Detroit. So I expect Detroit to win this game um, and move on to the NFC Championship, which would just be just a phenomenal story for, for football in general. Football. If you're a football fan, you've got to be rooting for Detroit. Um, and so I, you know, I'm pulling for them, and I think that, I think that they'll both be, be good games. I think that Detroit might just have an easier time with Tampa Bay than uh, San Francisco does with Green Bay. Um, so those are the games that, that I have. And then obviously Jeff's going to talk about the AFC side with, uh, Kansas city at the bills, which I couldn't be more excited for, um, which is the Sunday game, six thirty, And then he has uh, Houston at, at Baltimore, which is the first game on Saturday. I think it's a four thirty game. So, uh, four really good matchups, at least on paper, hopefully they deliver. And, um, you know, we have some 
competitive games this weekend because we didn't we didn't last weekend. So um, those are my thoughts for these three games and these two matchups that we have coming up. Um, I am going to kick it over to Jeff for his for his uh, for his take on his three games and his matchups. And uh, we will see you guys next week. We will be in person next week doing it, you know, normal. Like I said, we kind of call the last minute audible um, this week just because of the games not being played. And um, we thought it would be a pretty quick show if we were only breaking down three out of the six games. So hopefully this is okay for you guys. Hopefully it was still enjoyable and I'll kick it over to Jeff and uh, we will see you guys next week. Hey everyone, Jeff here. Um, here to bring you uh, my thoughts on the wild card games but um yeah in terms of top stories i'm sure nick already touched base on it um coaching coaching wise um this is about the time where teams that didn't make uh the playoffs uh fire their coaches if they're going to move on uh, move on uh from said personnel and then move in a different direction altogether um obviously bill belichick is going to be the biggest uh name on the market um, I'll talk about that more next week when I'm uh, live with Nick. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what other coaching uh, vacancies happen even throughout the playoffs. Obviously, there's some disappointments here and there. Um, Philadelphia comes to mind. Who knows if Nick Sirianni is gonna gonna remain there? Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of compelling uh, head coaching uh, positions that are. That are vacant right now, and we'll Nick and I uh, will be sure to see which ones are the most, I guess, worthy of Bill Belichick's talents, um, and what other positions uh, are going to be filled by who knows who. But yeah, in terms of getting into the wild card games, um, I want to start off with the first game of the, of the wild card uh, weekend, which was the Browns and the Texans. This game was actually the one I had. Um, highlighted for myself I was honestly interested in seeing how CJ Stroud was going to perform for his first playoff game um, Joe Flacco obviously being the veteran that he was being a Super Bowl MVP winning a Super Bowl um, you would have thought he would have had a lot more uh, composure I suppose than he did um, the two pick sixes that he threw that basically sealed the nail in the coffin for, for Cleveland um, honestly, it was <clears throat> excuse me. It wasn't a bad game at all um, up until those pick sixes. And it was twenty four fourteen uh, with Cleveland driving into um, Houston territory. Um, a score there would have cut it into a one possession game, but obviously Flacco threw a desperation uh, heave throw, <clears throat> and credit to Houston, they picked it off and ran it back, and then <laughs> did, did the same thing in the next drive. So, yeah, it's just one of those things where the wheels kind of derailed on, on Cleveland a little bit. Um, um, I, I think Houston did a phenomenal job of taking Cleveland out of their game, which is um, their defense. Uh, Cleveland's, de Cleveland's defense is supposed to take over the game. Houston did not allow that. Miles Garrett um, didn't have any sacks. Um, none of Cleveland's defensive players had any sacks. They, had, they were held to zero sacks all game, so... Um, compared to uh, Houston's four sacks that they had on Joe Flacco, so they 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 had a game plan to control Miles Garrett, and they ex executed it perfectly. Um, on the offensive side for Houston, C.J. Stroud, and there's not enough you can say about C.J. Stroud C.J. Stroud right now. Um, he went 16 for 21, uh, 274 yards, three TDs. 
That, that that's that's phenomenal, especially for your first playoff game. That that's that's a way to make a statement that that you're here. Um, Nico Collins, uh, he's proven to be that number one once again. Um, he's he's definitely up there in terms of underrated and um, unheralded wide receivers, I believe. But he's he definitely he definitely carries the bulk of those uh, targets and receptions there in, in Houston. Obviously, you have Dalton Schultz, uh, Tank Dell when he was healthy, and then uh, some other names there uh, in Houston. But C.J. Stroud knows how to uh, spread the ball really well. But Nico Collins will get uh, the pressure, uh, the pressure ca- uh, catches, um, targets, and all that stuff. He, he's he's solidifying himself as a true number one receiver there. Now moving on to Miami and Kansas City. Um, obviously, that game wasn't really pretty, <laughs> uh, especially for Miami side. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> weather-wise, that wasn't pretty either. Uh, negative a four or whatever it was at kickoff, and then with a wind chill of negative twenty-seven or somewhere around there. Um, Miami, it, that was just, just the opposite of whatever Miami is used to. Uh, obviously, it showed. I feel I feel like especially with Tua. Um. Yeah, that in that entire scenario for Miami couldn't have gone worse. Um, losing to Buffalo uh, at the last week of the season, losing the division, and having to play a road game in Kansas City. Um, that was probably the worst case scenario. Um, especially with the weather how it was. I I personally thought Miami's offense was too much for Kansas City. Uh, but as soon as I guess the the weather forecast came in. You kind of had a feeling that that was more KC's game, um, though. Even though it shouldn't have been, I, I feel like Miami still had a rushing game that they didn't really lean on too much. Um, unfortunately, uh, I mean they they led the league in yards per carry uh, average um, at five point one. There, there was no one getting more yards per carry than uh, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, obviously, Raheem Mostert was a big part of that. Uh, uh was a big part of that, but they they were held in check. And credit to um, Kansas City for for knocking out uh, the run game on Miami. But I mean, Mostert was a leading rusher, and he only had 33 yards. That's 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 solidifying your defensive front for Kansas City and and forcing them to pass the ball. Um, as for Tua, he he went 20 for 39. Uh, didn't even eclipse 200 yards. Um, had one TD and one uh, interception. Um, that one TD is uh, I credit Tyreek Hill over over two on that one. Uh, Tyreek Hill had to come back for that and then and then uh, worked his magic and uh, sprinted into the end zone. Um, Tua honestly didn't look great. Um, I'm not sure how much the weather affected it affected him. Um, obviously, the more colder it is, the harder it is to grasp on uh, the football. But there were some throws there that I was just questioning um, how he was feeling and how he how he's looking. Um, some of some of his throws just did not look like they, like they had any strength to him. Unfortunately, um, yeah, it, it was there. Were, there was a lot of duck throws there for from Tua. Um, I, obviously, it's not a good luck. Um, He's going into the final year of his uh, rookie contract, so uh, <laughs> I, I, from what I hear, Miami is all in on Tua. They're, they're going to 
uh, revisit contract negotiations with Tua and uh, try to get him extended. But after that game, uh, he, he didn't help his cause at all, I feel like. Um, yeah, but, I mean, it's not it's not all Tua's fault. Uh, I feel like they had a run. I mean, obviously, you ran and you have the talent there. Um, you ran throughout the season and, and averaged what you did for a reason. Um, it's just one of those things where um, they just couldn't piece it together that day. Um, defensively, uh, I mean, it's hard to really rag on them because if there, if you saw, if you saw the game, there was a segment there and a little little box of uh, who was injured for Miami, and I think they said it was like over twenty sacks that they were they were missing um, defensively just through just through injuries. That's that's production that, regardless of how you scheme or and how you how you get how you game plan that that that's production that you just it's very hard to overcome uh, that loss uh, from Miami. Um, Patrick Mahomes though, twenty three for forty one, two hundred sixty two yards, one TD. So he took advantage of of the non pressure, I, I guess you can say. Um, Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco, um, 24 attempts for 89 yards and TD. I mean, obviously the yards per carry attempts on that one is, isn't superb, but 24 attempts for Isaiah Pacheco, he's a grinder. He, he's gonna, he's he's a punisher. Um, 24 attempts trying to trying to tackle that guy is is it's gonna wear down the defense for sure. Um, and you could just tell um, Miami's defense was just. Mm, one step behind, <clears throat> especially uh, in the past game. Um, Rushy Rice is coming to his own over there. Um, he had tw- eight receptions for 130 yards and a TD on 12 targets. That's nothing to sneeze at right there. Obviously, the game plan against Kansas City all season long has been contain Travis and try to force Pacheco and, and any of their wide receivers to beat you. Um, Tony was inactive to or, um for that game, uh, I'm assuming it was a healthy scratch. I'm not sure if he was injured or not. Um, that's that's something someone will have to double check for me. Um, but Rasheed Rice is definitely the standout wide receiver there. It, it's basically him and Kelsey in the past game. Um, Kelsey had 10 targets, uh, seven receptions for 71 yards. He doesn't have to be the machine that he's he always has been. Now that Rasheed Rice is is kind of coming to his own there. Um, so, game planning against against Kansas City is going to be a little trickier now. Um, obviously, you can't focus all your attention now on on Travis Kelsey. You actually have a, a wide receiver to worry about. You have a running back there that's uh, that's going to try to grind grind you down. Um, so, Kansas City credit to them and Andy Reid over there. They're they're starting to puzzle it together, I guess, at the right time. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they how they approach the divisional round against Buffalo, um, but that that's definitely a matchup I feel like favors Buffalo. Um, but if Kansas City has definitely put all the puzzle pieces together, it'll be it'll be quite the matchup for against against the Bills. Um, but again, Patrick Mahomes didn't get sacked at all, um, and. Uh, KC actually had two sacks against Tua and and the Dolphins. So you're kind of seeing a, th- a theme here where if you don't if you don't get sacks, your your defense is going to have a long day. 
Um, obviously, that's always been the case, but it gets exaggerated even more and highlighted even more during the playoffs because this is where this is where it's all it's all made right here. Um, but yeah, Kansas City came in with a with a game plan, and <laughs> they they I, I I feel like they they took advantage of of the elements there, the weather. Um, and Miami just looked uninterested in playing in that sort of weather. Um, I'm sure they, going all season, they would, they probably, especially after a hot start, they probably had a home playoff game in mind. Um, having lost the division the last week of the season, it was just a momentum killer and, and, uh, and, um, I guess a morale, um, um, killer too. So it, it's just one of those things where I'm not sure how how much Miami was, I guess, invested into playing in the cold weather rather than uh, in the Miami um, <laughs> warmth. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously you can't question uh, a team's uh, will to go and travel and, and play a playoff game in the road. But it just looked like Tua, Tua and the rest of the Dolphins just were not were not. Uh, the oil machine that that they they have been all throughout the year, and th- this happened last year too, where they kind of faded away during the second half of the season. Um, that's what I felt like was going to happen uh, this year, but it happened a lot later, and that kind of secured their playoff spot. Um, it cost them division, and obviously it cost them a, a playoff round too. Now then, um, I guess the highest scoring <laughs> uh, game of of that I'm covering is the Packers and the Cowboys. Um, Obviously, it was forty-eight to thirty-two Packers. Um, even with that score, a sixteen-point deficit, I feel like the Packers should have won by a lot more than that. Uh, obviously, a lot of those points from the Cowboys were were garbage time points. Um, There's a lot of garbage stats there. For Dak Prescott. Um, it, I mean, th- there's not enough I can say about about Green Bay and how how they came out. Um, Jordan Love looked phenomenal. Um, he looked the best. Uh, him and C.J. Shroud, I don't know who had a better performance, to be honest with you, uh, between the games uh, I covered. Um, in terms of all the games, Baker Mayfield may may, may have uh, a case for it. Um, Jared Goff, just emotionally. Um, but in terms of pure performance... Um, C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love. Jordan Love was not outdone by C.J. Stroud at all. Jordan Jordan Love came in and <laughs> and, and took it to to Dallas really well. Um, he finished with almost an identical stat line to C.J. Stroud. Um, Sixteen for twenty-one, exactly same completions, um, attempts, and completions. Two hundred seventy-two yards. So that's two yards less than C.J. Stroud and three TDs as well. So it, they 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 both. Um, uh, showed out in their first playoff game uh, of their career. There's just no way. I I didn't anticipate Jordan Love to be looking that that phenomenal. Um, this during this time of the year. Um, obviously being in Dallas, in an in inside stadium, uh, could have helped. I mean, uh, if this was a game that was played outdoors, maybe in Green Bay, would he have looked as phenomenal? Maybe not because of the weather. Um, but he took advantage of being indoors and in Dallas. Um, obviously the Packers have a recent history of, of destroying Dallas in every, every way, shape and form. 
Um, that's that's probably the one team Dallas does not want to ever see again, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, Jordan Love, I, I I can't say enough of how he looked. Um, he he made Aaron Rodgers esque throws all over the place, prime Aaron Rodgers esque throws. Uh, all over the field, you know, flip of the wrist, off balance, uh, not even feet, not even set. He he was he was doing things that uh, Green Bay has come to see from their quarterbacks for a very long time. So it for now it looks like he's 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 there to stay for for quite a while. Um, outside of Jordan Love, Aaron Jones did what he wanted in the run game. Um, 21 attempts for 118 yards and three TDs himself. That's <laughs> that, that's phenomenal for running back, especially Aaron Jones. He he looked vintage Aaron Jones on that one. Um, obviously he's been in the, in the league for quite a quite a bit now, but um, Aaron Jones just he took it to Dallas on that one. Uh, he has a history of doing that as well. Um, Romeo Dobbs, he, Dallas didn't really have an answer for him either. Uh, six receptions, but 151 yards and one TD. Um, that that's quite the insane um uh yards to reception ratio that right there um yards per uh catch uh for Romeo Dobbs was pretty high so offensively green bay they 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 had nothing that really didn't work against Dallas they could do anything they want at any time at any down it it didn't matter Green Bay was on it, and, and it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, carry that momentum against San Francisco. So we'll we'll see how that that works out. But in terms of Dallas, um, obviously Dak Prescott finished with uh, over 400 yards, but like I said earlier, is a lot of garbage time stats. Um, he threw the ball 60 times. That's that's not necessarily a recipe for success uh, in the NFL. He got three TDs, but two INTs. Um, obviously through that one INT inside their their own uh, red zone uh, to Jair Alexander, that was that was a backbreaker for for Dallas, and then he threw another one that was a pick six. That was uh, yeah, th- those those turnovers are or were killers for for Dallas. Um, uh, obviously Dallas had has a great offense and whatnot, but that that entire game everything just did not look as, as as fluid as it had been all year. Um you could hear uh Greg Olson, the commentator for for the game, um point always point out that C D Lamb and, and Dak Prescott were weren't on the same page. Um it was just one of those weird things where you don't know what why it's happening or especially now in the playoffs where you you just had eighteen weeks to figure things out. All of a sudden, um, C.D. Lamb, the NFL's leading uh, receiver, is is not on the same page with his quarterback. Um, that that was very interesting to see. I'm not sure what was going on there, um, but I mean, in terms of stats, C.D. Lamb had nine receptions for 110 yards, but that was on 17 targets. 17. That, that's a lot of balls thrown your way, and and to not even get double figures um, in terms of receptions is is a little rough. Um, obviously, with that many incompletions, starts with your number one receiver, uh, your number one wide receiver. Um, your drives will stall, and then you're putting it to a team that that will and that didn't even have to will their way. They were they were just taunting the the Dallas defense. I I feel, I feel like they they there was just no stopping Green Bay's offense that day. Um, and here keeping keeping up with the with the theme of pressure. 
There were zero sacks for the Cowboys and four sacks for the Packers. So essentially, if you protect your quarterback, uh, all, all three teams that uh, all three uh, teams that won uh, over the games that I've, I've been reviewing. Um, all three teams protected their quarterback. They didn't allow any sacks. So, obviously, giving your, your quarterback the time and um, an opportunity to scramble or, or, or to find go through his progressions and find the open man, that that obviously helps a lot. Um, but, yeah, C.J. Shroud um, and Jordan Love really balled out. Patrick Mahomes uh, did all right. But Jordan Love and C.J. Shroud definitely um just stood out for me in terms of those three quarterbacks. Now I'm just going to move on to the divisional round. I'm going to be covering the AFC uh, for next week. Um, it'll be just something quick. Um, obviously, we have the Texans at the Ravens um, on Saturday. It'll be the first game of, of the, uh, the, uh, the divisional playoffs. Um, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Obviously, Houston coming off that big win against Cleveland. Um Obviously, we 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 all knew uh, Cleveland's defense is legit. Baltimore's defense is, is nothing to sneeze at at all either. Um, Baltimore leads the league in points uh, per game allowed. Um, Russia um, they they leave the league in rush yards per game and turnover differential. So this is a team that that earned uh, their number one seed in the AFC. Um, yeah, I mean, they were definitely the class of the AFC in Baltimore uh, throughout the year. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see the upstart Texans go into Baltimore and and, and see what they can do against that defense um, and, and, and Harbaugh, uh, John Harbaugh. Um, right now, they have the Ravens at 9.5-point favorites. Honestly, I, I feel like the game should be closer than that, but who knows? Um, it's, it's an outdoor uh, game. C.J. Stroud, I'm not sure how he's going to perform uh, with a lot colder weather than it was in, in Houston uh, and indoors. Um, but, I mean, obviously with Baltimore leading the league in turnover differential, uh, C.J. Stroud has, is going to have to take care of the ball. He's, he's He can't turn the ball over. He can't throw interceptions. He, he's going to have to, uh, if he has to run the ball, scramble, run the ball. Um, you can't force it over there in Baltimore. Um yeah, it's going to be one of those one of those things where um, C.J. Stroud is 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 going to have to take take another step in his progression there. Um, in terms of defensively, Texans are going to have to do the same thing they did with uh, Joe Flacco in Cleveland, uh, force some mistakes from Lamar Jackson. Uh, obviously, Lamar Jackson isn't, uh, I guess, known for his playoff. Uh, I guess I wouldn't say expertise, but um, his playoff magic, uh, we'll go with that. Um, I don't want to say he's a choker or anything. Not not Lamar Jackson. It's, it's just one of those things where his struggles kind of uh, get emphasized in the playoffs because he, he, league MVP. Um, he he's been in Baltimore for a while. He, he gets this contract and whatnot. But it, Lamar Jackson is a legit quarterback and he's a legit threat. It just happens. So happens that. I feel like he just runs into defenses that that are better than I guess regular season defenses, um, and and they come prepared for what he brings to the table, which is um, his 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 legs basically. Um, so 
now now that with this year where he's kind of relied more on his arm so uh, with Tom Bonkin and, and that offense, I feel like he he definitely has the tools now to overcome what defenses kind of try to maintain him inside the pocket and make him uh, a pocket passer. Um, I I feel like all all year he's been he's been playing to to show uh, showcase uh, his arm talents and 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 how much he's grown as as a passer. So honestly, th- this th- this is going to be a phenomenal matchup in my opinion. Um, Lamar Jackson, seeing how he performs, uh, given his playoff struggles, and then CJ Stroud if he can continue his playoff. Uh, I guess I guess emphasis on on his first uh, his rookie year um, that'll be interesting to see. And then moving on to the Chiefs and the Bills, um, I feel like these teams always play one another in every every postseason. Um, last year they missed each other, but uh, two years ago and three years ago they played each other. Um, Chiefs came up on top on top both years. Um, three years ago it was in the AFC Championship game, and then two years ago it was in the AFC Divisional round. Uh, this is the AFC, AFC divisional round, so there'll be a re, uh, a rematch there. Um, obviously, the other two times were in Kansas City because the Kansas City Chiefs were always the number one seed. Um, I would say during those two years, so for Buffalo to actually have home field advantage in this, I feel like is 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 an underrated advantage right now for Buffalo. Um, Kansas City, obviously coming out of that. Um, Cold weather against Miami. The weather here isn't going to phase them. Um, but at the same time, I feel like the Bills are definitely the better team. Uh, Josh Allen, I feel like even with all the turnovers, I feel like he still has played better than Patrick Mahomes throughout the year. Um, obviously, it's 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 a rematch from earlier in the year where Patrick Mahomes, that you could see the frustration frustration boil over. Uh, on Patrick Mahomes, um, and then that kind of started um, kind of a, a, a little bit of a of a downfall for or for Kansas City until they they perked back up. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Bills uh, tackle that offense now with uh, Rasheed Rice and and Isaiah Pacheco being more more forefront in that offense than Travis Kelsey is. Um, but I mean, it's good. I wouldn't expect a high scoring game in this because these these teams actually have uh, top five defenses in terms of points per game allowed. Um, I think the Chiefs are like second and the Bills are fourth. Um, it's just one of those things where obviously you think Kansas City and you think Buffalo, you think Josh Allen, you think Patrick Mahomes, and you think uh, points galore, whatnot. But these defenses are... are I would argue these defenses are the reason they are here instead of the offenses. So it'll definitely be a matchup uh, worthy of watching. Um, so, but yeah, it's it's definitely going to be interesting matchups um, across the AFC division. Um, Nick will take care of the NFC and preview that in that side of the bracket. Um, but yeah, uh, next week we'll we'll hopefully get together again uh, Sunday Sunday night when most of the games are. Are concluded, and uh, we're probably going to be watching the the, the Chiefs and Bills game on uh, Sunday night. So, no, that that does it for me though. So I'll see you guys next week, and uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to What Did They Know podcast. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media outlets to see future episode details, and don't forget to send in any questions or topics that you want to see the guys discuss in their weekly episodes to come.